Well, when Camille and I moved to Melbourne from Brisbane about 13 years ago, we felt that we'd made a good decision about the kind of place that uh, suited us to live, and we still do feel that, I believe. Uh, one thing that I do miss, though, uh, about growing up in Brisbane is the uh, tropical thunderstorms that we used to have in the summertime. So during that season, it was really common for a day to have a very predictable pattern, so it'd be a very hot, humid morning, gathering dark clouds come together, and about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they would unleash the rain, the thunder and the lightning on us for a couple of hours, and that would happen very regularly. Now, of course, uh, we do have our storms here in Melbourne, as we've experienced this week, but they tend to be different, you know, so it tends to be in the winter time or in spring and there's these cold blasts of wind and rain that come out of nowhere and at random times and they just blow us over. It's not quite the same, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and in the hills, of course, we're used to the storms bringing down trees onto homes and across the roads and that probably happened last night. And so storms are very powerful experiences for many of us. And the image of the storm and how we experience storms uh, is the key image in Psalm 29, as you might have heard. So as you might know, if you've been here, this term we're looking at some of these psalms, particularly those that have an attitude of triumph, of strength, of overcoming, and this renewed vision that God gives to his people through difficult times. And so there are, the psalms are songs that sing about some of the confidence in God that people have and the transformation that comes from entering into a new season of life with God. So these are the psalms we're thinking about at the moment. You know, times when you sing a new song, God's calling us to enter a new time with him. And so as we look at Psalm today, Psalm 29 today, what this psalm does is it invites us to go back, I think, to some of what might be our more primal, basic understandings of the nature of God. Those, some of the gripping experiences of power and strength that are really important to a relationship with God and understanding who he is. And particularly when our faith is new or fresh or in a new season. Now, over, over thousands of years, Christians have developed very sophisticated ways of talking about God and understanding who God is and what he's done. But Psalm 29, I think, hark backs to what we might describe as a very primitive kind of in-your-face understanding of who God is. It's raw. And what does it mean to hear the powerful voice of God? And I think basically in Psalm 29, we can hear God talked about as the Lord of the storm. God is the Lord of the storm, a God of thunder, the king over all other spiritual beings. So the psalm, as we heard, begins with this encouragement to all the heavenly beings. So it's thinking of all these angels and others uh, surrounding uh, God, for them to give honour to God for the glory and his strength, the Lord, his splendour and his holiness, as we talked about at the beginning of the service, the holiness of the Lord. And then it talks about the voice of the Lord, this powerful speech of God. It describes like the effect of a supernatural almost thunderstorm of immense power. He, it says the Lord thunders over the waters. His, his voice twists, it breaks and it knocks over massive cedars like they have in Lebanon, um, stripping the forests bare. Sort of sounds quite familiar. <laughs> um, shakes the mountains and the desert. It says the Lord's voice strikes us with flashes of lightning. And at the end it says we can see the Lord is enthroned above everyone. He's over the flood, you know. And the flood of the waters of chaos and saying God is controlling and ruling over everything by his strength. And lastly in verse 11 it talks about, well, what does this mean for us? It says the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And so these are really powerful pictures, aren't they? 
a storm, you know, and, and they can be very comforting and strengthening for people to meditate on, as we do in this psalm, and they still resonate with us today, I think, particularly when we're feeling powerless or when we're feeling that we're in need of help. Now, for those of us who watch contemporary movies, uh, this psalm, I think, should irresistibly and I think rightly um, call to mind a particular character, the character of Thor, the Norse god of thunder. Now, I think this is a psalm very much to him. And I don't, look, that's not a trivial or blasphemous comparison. I think it's an understanding, just what is the feeling and the place of emotion where this psalm is actually coming from? Because um, Psalm 29, in its history, is basically, I think, a translation or an updating into Israel of ancient pagan Canaanite songs of praise to their storm gods. Uh, but then Yahweh, the Lord of Israel, is placed into this and what, he, what it means to know him. And so he fulfills, the Lord does, this picture that people have of gods like Thor and the meaning that people gave to them and why they worshipped them in the first place. And I think the feeling that this psalm is supposed to generate in God's people is very similar to what we're supposed to feel you know, at the, in the Marvel films, if you've ever seen them, when Thor comes in the final battles and he just devastates his enemies and the hammer goes around and all the rest of that. It's actually the same feeling. Um, it's this picture of absolute strength and glory and power of God being used for good. Okay, so it's, the same, it's a very similar feeling. And now I said, didn't I, this is a primitive picture of God. And it is, isn't it? In my experience, I think it's the kind of God that a very small boy might cherish in his heart. Um, God, the superhero, whose voice you can hear when the thunder comes. It's like, is that God talking? You know? very common way of thinking. And so it is a primitive vision of God, isn't it? and that doesn't mean it's bad or, or even wrong, but it's a primitive picture of God in the sense that it's one of the first th ways we think of God, or one of the foundational building blocks that go into a full understanding of who God is. When I was at Sunday school, and as many of you might have, we learned a, a song, my God is so big, so strong, and so, yes, yeah, so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Has everyone, who knows this? Yes. Yeah, okay. If you grew up in a certain period, yeah, the 80s, 90s, you probably, you probably learned it in church. Okay? So that's this song, isn't it? And there's, there's a modern song we sing as well in church here as adults, How Great Is Our God. It's a similar idea. The splendor of the king, robed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. It trembles in his voice. Same thing. My God is so big. Um, and it's a good thing to learn, because how can we learn to understand who God is if we don't take into account this idea of power, of strength and glory? So the idea of the Lord God as the God of thunder, I don't think it's a bad one. Um, but I think, though, as Christians, we do need to learn more than this or to understand more than that. To learn, what does it really mean to hear the voice of the Lord and to know the strength and the glory of God in a deeper way, the way Jesus revealed it to us? Because this image of God as the God of thunder in the storm is actually a limited one and it, it tends to break down over time for us in, ex, in some of our experiences of suffering and injustice and things like that. You know, because as you go on from Sunday school, you might start to ask things like, well, you know, if my God is so big and so strong and so mighty and there's nothing he cannot do, then why doesn't he just heal me? Or why doesn't he save people that I love from their illnesses or problems? You know, so it's a bigger question than that. So God, we learn over, as the Bible goes on, God is more than a superhero. And so what the scriptures actually show and what I'd like us to consider is that the deepest revelation of God and his strength is actually beyond this kind of raw expression of power and strength, which is right, but that God is actually more than that, more strength than that, not less. 
So I want to give you two examples of this, at least, that we can draw out of the Bible. And the first comes from 1 Kings 19, which is the story of the prophet Elijah when he went into the desert. Now, if you know this story or you don't, Elijah was a prophet of of Yahweh. He was persecuted by the king of Israel, King Ahab. And he had a confrontation with the prophets of the god Baal, uh, which, which was successful for him. But after that, he actually ran away into the desert and found himself depressed and looking for a new experience of God. And so in verses 11 to 12, it says um, that God came to speak to him. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And it's out of that gentle whisper that the Lord speaks to Elijah. And I think this is an important passage for for us. It challenges our understanding of Psalm 29, what it's saying, and the vision of the power of of God that it has. So, you know, Elijah's battle with the prophets of Baal that we read about, it actually involved literal fire coming down from heaven to burn up a sacrificial offering. You know, a genuine, almost, you know, like a lightning bolt of strength and power from the Lord. And I think we might believe, wouldn't we, if we saw that, or we saw something like that, we would never lack confidence again in God's power, would we? But Elijah found that despite seeing these things inside him was still experience of doubt, of fear, and weakness. It's a trouble, isn't it? If you've seen a bolt of lightning from the, from the heavens and you still have doubt, So here in the desert, Elijah, when he encounters God personally, he finds out that in this wind that tears the mountains apart, in the earthquake that comes, in the fire that he sees, that's not actually where the real personal voice of God is to be found. The voice of the Lord for him is a gentle whisper. It's actually behind and after all these things. And so the point I see here is that all the things that we might tend to see immediately as powerful things that God might do, like the fire, the wind, the earthquake, are really just a sort of surface manifestation of God's power and his energy in creation. And those things reveal, like, yes, a divine force of power and the things that can be done, but they don't actually directly reveal God himself, the God we've uh, remembered in communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or God's personal voice. And so Elijah would say, yeah, all these powerful things that I see, fire from heaven, winds and thunder and earthquakes, everything that we see in creation, yes, it is a powerful effect of God. They come from God's word and God's intention and glory to him. But God is powerful and glorious. But if that's all God is, then God is really just, yes, a God like Thor, somewhere up in the heavens, sitting on a throne in the sky, not near us. But Elijah discovers his true strength when he hears this quiet whisper from God to him, a real conversation, which is the strength of God, not up in the heavens somewhere, but actually within his own spirit. A voice that Elijah can hear personally, which communicates the strength of God's truth and joy and hope directly to his heart. That enables him to go on. So when when Psalm 29 says at the end, the Lord gives strength to his people, the Lord blesses his people with peace, Does that really mean that, well, they feel peaceful because they've seen the Lord blast their enemies with thunderbolts? I don't think so. I think at the end, the Lord gives his people peace by strengthening their spirits with his own spirit. And this is what the Bible shows us. The voice of the Lord, in the end, is actually a personal spiritual effect of the presence of God in his people. 
And so that's Bono's realisation, wasn't it? That's what he's learnt from the psalm. What do you learn? Well, God listens and I have to listen more. That's what he said. And so through this quiet whisper, this voice, that's how God's strength actually comes into us. I think Elijah learnt that. And so that's one way we see it. We also see that the Lord communicates his strength through us in a special way, as we believe as Christians, by coming to actually coming down into our life and into our human experience and bringing a new strength to human beings as a whole. And that's what we see in Jesus, of course. So Psalm 29, as we've read, has a parallel, I think, in the Gospels of Jesus, particularly if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27, for instance. And I'll read to you this story. So Jesus uh, got into the boat um, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept, swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked him, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So what's the point of that story? Well, it teaches us and these disciples that this man that was with them, their teacher, is the Lord of the storm that they read about in Psalm 29. He is the Lord of the storm, Jesus. He is the same Lord enthroned above the flood that they've sung about. And they can see the wind and the waves obey his voice. But he's not creating a storm here, is he? He's actually calming it and bringing peace. And therefore, he's bringing strength and peace to them because he's with them. You know, Jesus was so obviously so unconcerned about this storm that he could just sleep through it, which is very interesting because he is strong. But his strength is not energy power shooting out of his hands or a lightning you know, hammer. It's the strength of his word and that, that comes from his pure, humble trust in God his Father. He's with him. And he could sleep because he was safe in the spirit of God. He knew that he was with him. And that, that is Jesus' strength, and it's a strength that comes more out of love and humility and peace than it does from what we think of as strength. Um, so the strength of the Lord we see in this is so strong, he doesn't even need to hold on to visible displays of his power in order to achieve his purposes. He can actually win things through sacrificial love, and that's the real power that Jesus has in his strength. You know, so when we get to the New Testament, this is how it talks about the Lord of the storm, Jesus So we read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. Consider Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we're seeing here is this picture that we see in Psalm 29 of the angels and the heavenly beings and everyone being encouraged to gather around and worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness is actually an anticipation in the Old Testament of this new song about Jesus the Lord and his glory that's come through humble love, sacrifice, death and service of others. Okay. So that's the completion of Psalm 29. And so I think there's room for us for two ways of thinking about God's strength as Christians. So 
which certainly you can say with Psalm 29, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Definitely. But we can also say perhaps, you know, my God is so quiet, so humble and loving, there's nothing my God will not do. And both of those are true pictures of strength. And the second one is actually more so than the other, as we see in Jesus. And so I think we need both of those if we want to know what it means to experience God's strength in our lives. I come back to the last verse of Psalm 29 again. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So, you know, if we're looking for God, for his strength and peace in the middle of storms, I'd suggest that we can go to these two places. So... The first place you might go is, well, I need this, my God is so big picture. I need to hear what Psalm 29 has to say, you know. We do need physical strength, we need energy, we need power to destroy, to conquer the difficulties and for God to do something. And sometimes in the world that's what needs to happen, you know. The voice of the Lord needs to flip over a few mountains and he can only do that. But the second place we might go, and it's probably the deeper place for us and probably the most helpful, is to go where Elijah went and to go where Jesus spent his whole life, which is... Where's the quiet whisper and the voice of the Lord that gives strength? Because that's the strength that's not outside you, it's actually the strength inside you. It comes up out from within us and calms the storm, as Jesus did, inside us and around us. That's a different kind of strength. So God is strong, but but God uses his strength to make his people strong so that they can uh, be like Christ and calm the world. And so that's, what, that's where we seek God. And we might have to go out into the desert sometimes in the choir to hear his voice because it's a bit noisy where we are. But we know that the, Lord, the voice of the Lord is always speaking and it's important for us to listen and to hear what he's saying in it. So as we finish, I'd like to, this sermon, I'd like to spend, just, uh, spend a minute just listening. Um, I'm going to read again from 1 Kings and I just, then we're going to spend a minute in silence before we sing again. Just encourage you to hear and listen for the quiet whisper of God's voice which gives us strength. So one king says to us, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So let's just wait a minute and... uh, Listen to him speak.